Somebody shout it out. Pride versus humility. What's the other one? Isn't that awesome that it's so simple to remember? I like simple. Honestly, church, this is, this is the key right here. Pride versus humility. Disobedience versus obedience. Amen? If you will focus on those two things and, and, and governing those and defeating those and walking in humility and obedience, as Pastor Andrews was saying at the offering, you will live victorious. And I'm going to show you, I could take the whole year if I wanted to and go through the Bible and show you time and time again the people that were victorious and blessed and happy were obedient. And the people that fell and were hurt and lost were disobedient. And that's all God is looking for is obedience. And we saw this morning in those scriptures how Satan was thinking that he was equal to, to the devil. Sorry, to God. That he was as great or better. And I thought about that song. It was saying that my life is yours. My hands are yours. My heart is yours. And it's saying those words. Isn't that exactly the opposite of what Satan's attitude is and was? My hands are yours, Lord. And Satan was saying, your hands are mine, Lord. It's always the opposite. Amen. God is looking for us to to deny ourselves. What did Jesus say in the word? He said, if you want to be my disciple, you come after me and follow me by denying yourself and taking up your cross. And that is contrary to our flesh, church. Flesh says me and my and what I want. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Don't look after what you can do for yourself or what you need, but look at my kingdom. Second King, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. I want to show you about this disobedience and obedience here. Many of you have heard these verses, and this is one of those ones I want to get off the bat so you can understand how we should fight. It was a great spirit in the prayer room tonight, amen, powerful move of God there and people praying and, and uh, talking to God and interceding for the service. And Jesus, sorry, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to the Corinthian church, and we can put ourselves in there tonight, Denton, Texas, Victory World Outreach, though we walk in the flesh, and he means this fleshly body, we do not war according to the flesh, meaning we do not fight in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And just hold there for a second. I want you to realize that if you read the book of Acts, 1 through 28, there's not one chapter where God is not showing His supernatural power revealed through those people. Not one chapter. And the book of Acts is the church example for us today and if they needed the spirit of God we need the spirit of God amen we cannot defeat the enemy in the flesh because he's flesh you can't fight the enemy with his with his power you have to fight the enemy with God's power amen and he says if you walk according to the flesh you will fulfill the lusts of the flesh but if you walk in the spirit If you walk in God's power, if you walk in God's anointing, you will walk in the spirit and you will defeat the enemy. Amen. So we need as a church more and more every day, less of our flesh and more of the spirit of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So then he says they're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, how do we pull down strongholds in prayer? We don't do it with our fist. We do it in prayer. 
Amen? And he says, casting down. These, are, these honestly are some of my favorite verses because there's things that we need to do every single day to be victorious. Casting down arguments. And every high thing, listen, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What did the devil do in the garden again? Let's go back there again. What did he do? He lifted himself up against God's knowledge that was said, do not touch this tree. And craftily and cunningly and deceptively he came to Adam and Eve and he said, hey, come on, don't, don't believe that. And he began to twist things and he began to ch- change things and he began to argue the truth. He began to tell Eve, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat that tree is if you eat it, your eyes will be open. And they were. Your eyes will be open and you'll, you'll be like God and you'll understand. And he doesn't want you to understand. See, the devil's always argued against God's truth. The devil's always argued against what God says. How many know we've got to, especially as children of God, understand what God says goes? Stop trying to argue with God. Stop trying to say, why, God? Stop trying to say, I do it different, God. Why do you do it this way, God? You cannot argue with God. And, and I want you to get something tonight. I was thinking as we're standing over there. Again, how temporary the power of Satan is. I was thinking this, about this morning what we talked about and, and, and the Illuminati and the, and the satanic uh, contracts that people do with the enemy and, and, and the devil. And they get power and it's a real power. You can't deny the power and the wealth and the fame that those people have. It's a power. It's a real power. But it's temporary. And if they, it's almost like just a generic example. You know, when, when somebody's smoking cigarettes, they really enjoy cigarettes. They really like them. They like the taste. They like the smell. They like the feeling. They, they get addicted to them. And they're not thinking. What they're doing is they're thinking of a temporary um, enjoyment. And that could be alcohol or whatever else. But I'm just using a cigarette as an example. They're using a temporary thing to fulfill something now. And they're not thinking about the future of that. And they're only thinking about how it feels today. And they're not seeing the day that they'll be laying in a hospital bed with emphysema and they're on oxygen and they're dying. They're not thinking about that down the road. They're thinking just temporary. We have to be careful as people not to live in the temporary. Because sin is good for a season. Sin is good for a moment. And think about these people that have sold their souls to the devil for this power. It's temporary. And the devil doesn't tell them what the end's going to be. He doesn't say, hey, uh, I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to give you this and this and this, and you sign your name in blood, and then when when you die, though, you're coming with me, and we're going to be dragged to hell, and we're going to spend eternity there together. Cool? He didn't probably tell them that. He left that out. Kind of like fine print in the contract. And I think about even the devil, I said this Wednesday night, even the devil has traded in his glory that he had for eternity for really, if you think about it, the devil's been around a long time. It's still going to be short in comparison to eternity. It's still going to be short. And so his, his glory will be short-lived. Don't tonight... Don't put your eyes on people that you think are doing really well and they're not godly and be jealous of them because what they have is temporary. Don't, put, don't get jealous of them. Realize that what they have is only for a short season and they're going to pay the fiddler. 
Amen? Be thankful tonight. And Jesus said that to his, his disciples when they came back and said, Jesus, the, 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 the demon spirits are subject to us. They were amazed by that. And Jesus said, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. But don't even get excited about that. He says, get excited about the fact that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. He says, get excited about something that's eternal and not temporary. Amen. And so we need to understand that all the way back in the garden, he came cunningly and deceptively, and he did not run at them. He realized that Satan did not use fear to deceive Adam and Eve. How many, again, what we see today, a lot of times that picture of the devil, and, and, and we understand that there's a truth to that because one side says that he's like a roaring lion, okay? When he catches you, he's going to kill you. Okay? But a lion does not just, just growl to catch his prey. If you've ever watched the, the TV. They're sly, and they sit back, and they wait, and they sniff, and they watch. I've seen it with my own eyes. I was in Africa. I was on a safari. I saw the lion with my own. They did not move. They just looked. And they're fixed. Amen? So he doesn't go, hey, I'm coming to kill you. When he catches that prey, they're dead. And he did not jump out at Adam and Eve and say, change or I'm going to kill you. He argued with them. He argued with them and was cunning with them and, and deceptive with them. And I, and, I, and I want you to understand in this series, that's the part I'm trying to pull out. I'm not trying to show you the obvious. I'm trying to get past the obvious to the little areas that really get us a lot of times and we don't realize it. I'm trying to attack the little foxes because the big ones are easy to see. You know, it, it's like... Someone who comes to Christ and we know of all these backgrounds that are so different of lifestyles and drugs and alcohol and perversion, and all these things. And we forget that when we get saved and we come to the Lord, we may and we do. We get delivered from those things, from the big sins. How many know it's the little ones that you'll never stop fighting against? You may be delivered from drugs tonight. You may be here and be an ex-alcoholic or an ex-prostitute or an ex-gangbanger or an ex-whatever fighter. And you don't anymore have that desire to do those things. But there's these little things that you might not even realize are causing you to stumble. Those are the things I want you to see. And I'm going to show you that in a story tonight that the devil does not do it overnight. He has a plan. Amen? So finish this with me. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And look at this. Bringing every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ. There's that word. Obedience. And then he says, and being ready to punish all disobedience. Paul said, I beat myself into subjection. I was mentioning this morning, we don't hate sin enough. 
We, we, we play around too much with fire. We, we try to do as much as we can. And I'm just talking general as human beings. We try to do everything we can to get away with everything we can. And we, to make it, we need to fall in love more with God, want to be more holy, and want to hate sin, and not have anything to do with the appearance of evil, and we'll be victorious. He says, being ready to punish disobedience. And, w- and look at this. When your obedience is fulfilled. Amen? Now go with me to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Weren't those some good verses? Obedience. Two keys. Obedience versus rebellion and disobedience. Pride versus humility. Pride versus, for those of you that were in nursery or Sunday school this morning or you weren't here, those are the two things we said were super keys to this series. Pride versus humility and obedience versus disobedience. Now, I want to get down into your living room tonight with this story, and I want to show you some, some spirits and attitudes that the church has to deal with and watch. And we see it in the book of 1 Samuel. And as we look at these things, I said this this morning, if Satan, who was Lucifer, could fall, we need to be careful. That, that's where the humility comes in. Amen? If, if Jesus was tempted, how are we not going to be tempted? If Satan went after Jesus, are you getting that with me? If Satan went after Jesus, how would he not come after us? If he wasn't afraid to accuse Jesus and offer Jesus power, knowing that Jesus has power, how is he not going to come to a human being and try to mess with us, try to mess up our destiny? And so you see in the Bible all these people, and I'm going to talk to you about Saul tonight. And many of you have read this story before. If you're at 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, I want to read this to you. Say, everybody there? Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I want to read a few verses. Saul sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Therefore heed, look at this, therefore heed to the voice of the words of the Lord. Listen to my words, he says. Then the Lord of hosts says, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he laid wait for him on the way when he came from Egypt. Now look at verse 3, here's the order. Here's the order of God. He says these words, this is what I want you to do, Saul. Go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy what? All that they have. I want you to really pay attention to this tonight. And do not spare them. How many know all means all? When the Holy Spirit says, get rid of all the sin in your life, he means all of the sin. Amen. When he says all, it means all. It doesn't mean, well, I'll get rid of what I think I should get rid of. It's all. And I want to show you a spirit in Saul tonight that we have to be careful with. Again, we're exposing how the devil works. He says, go and kill them all and do not spare them. Both kill man and woman, infant, nurse and child, ox, sheep, camel, donkey, everybody. Okay, saw that in verse 3. Now go to verse 10. See, I'm there. Now the word of the Lord came. So, so, sorry, they went and did what the orders were. Okay, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as a king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all 
night. And when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he, he he was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he has set up a monument for himself. That sounds familiar. He's gone on around, passed by, and down, gone down to Gilgal. In verse 13, then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Okay, stop there. Simple. Obedience. And disobedience. Okay, I'm going to break this down a little bit more in a second, but it's real easy. He said, I want you to go and I want you to kill everything. What Satan does is he tries to argue with us and say, you're doing a good job. You don't have to do it exactly like he said. You don't have to do everything like he said. You don't have to be so, so precise on that. Just do your best. Amen. Isn't that an attitude we get a lot of times? Let's just do my best. But God is a God who has high standards for us. And he, and he, and he calls us to have a, a great attitude and to do things to the best of our ability. And we should in, not in any way, I've talked about this before at, at church, we shouldn't in any way lower our standards in the kingdom of God compared to how we do things at work or in the world. Why would we have better qualities at work than we do at church why would we give more to our boss at work than we would to god in his house amen everything give him everything be excellent in everything you do and the spirit that the devil tries to do is he brings in a spirit of mediocrity he brings in a spirit of do the best you can and and do most of it and it'll be good but that's not what we see here we see saul thinking, I did what he asked me to do. I went and I attacked, but God was very clear through Samuel to say, kill everything. And instead of killing everything, he got there and he said, I'm going to kill everything, but, man, we need these sheep and we need these oxen and we, I'm not going to, that's money right there, man, and and I'm I'm not going to kill the king. Instead of killing the king, I'm going to bring the king back. And that's exactly what the devil was doing in heaven when he began to disobey God. Are you watching? We see this in people. We see it in us. And he, and he disobeys. And, and Samuel's a type of God. He's a type of the Holy Spirit. And he knows. He knows what we're doing. He knows our motives and our attitudes and our hearts. And, and we can try to tell the Lord, God, you know, this. And God knows. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen. I'm not disappearing here. I'm just trying to turn the projector off. I don't see the thing. Don't worry about it. He knows us. Go with me to verse 18. Now the Lord, now here's where Sam, sorry, Sam, yeah, Samuel gets in Saul's face and seeks an answer from him. And he says, just, just like God came to Adam and Eve, remember that? And said, hey guys, what you doing? How come you're hiding? Oh, we're not hiding. And they've got their bodies covered up with leaves. We're not hiding anything. Why do you say that? Right? And so now Samuel comes to Saul and says, hey, guys. Hey, Saul. What's going on, buddy? And he says, the Lord sent you on a mission. 
And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they are consumed. If we leave, it's, I'm trying to get you to get this, if we do most of the stuff and get rid of most of the stuff in our life, it's not good enough. You can't leave the little things because the little things left alone, and I'll get to that in a second, turn into bigger things. That's what God knew. He said, I need to see if I'm going to have this man as king, if he'll listen to me and get rid of everything. But instead, Saul said, now I'm going to do things my way. And he says, why then do, did you not, listen, I want you to really see the next few verses. Why then, verse 19, did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And watch this. Watch how we are. Watch how Satan is working in Saul's life and deceiving him. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. See that? Satan's whispering in his ear. Spirit of God's trying to give him an opportunity to to respond. Spirit of God's trying to give him an opportunity to what? Confess. As we go on in this church, I want you to understand what God is looking for when we mess up is confession. He says, if you will confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. We fall short and make mistakes when we make a mistake and don't confess it to the Lord because he already knows. And all he wants us to do is fess up. Come clean. Say, God, I'm sorry. He is pleased not with our sin, but he's pleased with our repentance. And a heart that says, I've messed up. I'm sorry, Lord. And all that God was looking for in that question, and you can see it a million times in the Bible, he was looking for Saul to say, you know what, Samuel? I'm sorry, I, di I didn't do it right. But there's the devil in his ear, the spirit of deception and the argument saying, you did. Man, you got blood all over you. You're worn out. You're tired. You went and killed all those people. Man, you did good. How many people didn't go? It's probably, devil's, how many know the devil's always talking in your ear? Spirits of, de of, the, of, the, of deception and lies. And is always talking. And you're good enough. And he's throwing these things in there. And instead of him having the moment to repent, he says, I have done it. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Gone on the mission the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. That's what's funny. And he says, I have utterly destroyed the Am Amalekites. He's, it's funny how we catch ourselves in our sin. Because he admitted that he brought back, he just said, I did do what the Lord said, and I brought back the king, so he's contradicting himself. If you've ever talked to somebody that's really confused about religion and about the Bible, I've seen people contradict themselves so much. There's all these weird doctrines out there, and they'll tell you these doctrines that they believe, and then they'll contradict themselves when they're talking about it. It's amazing. Here's Saul contradicting himself. He just said, I did the will of the Lord. And then he says in the same sentence, I brought the king back. When did God say, bring the king back? Yet he thinks because Satan has argued with him that he's done right. He's actually been so deceived that he's believing the lie now. See, if you don't deal with the small sins, you'll begin to believe it's okay. Not only will you do it, you'll begin to believe it's okay. Are you with me tonight? Is there anybody here? 
That's where we're at today in the, in the, in the church world where so much stuff's been allowed to come into church, not being dealt with. Man, I got an email this week, made me sick to my stomach of a, of a little paragraph. Was that you that sent it to me about the pastor? Yeah. little paragraph of a church pastor talking about all the things he'd done. All, you know, just a little bio. And you're just reading it and it all sounds good until you get to the last sentence where it says, and okay, let me back up for a second. In a, in a lot of churches, the pastor's wife's called the first lady, right? Well, it gets down to the bottom of the paragraph explaining the pastor, and it says first man. The first gentleman, sorry. The first gentleman of the church. Yeah, that's on the website. Then I go and hit about us, and it's got the name of the pastor, the first gentleman, his name. Yeah, made me, I'm telling you, it's made me sick talking about it. It's one thing, church, for, for people to say, oh, it's okay to be homosexual, it's okay for that. But to take it into the church and to put it up here, I'm telling you, church, they'll begin to believe that what they're doing is okay. Because somewhere along the line, they didn't realize they kept little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. So not only did they believe they were doing anything wrong, they thought it was okay. Are you with me? I'm trying to talk about how the Satan, I'm exposing his works. Not the big blatant, put a look up on the screen ones, the little ones. Somewhere along the line, those people were lied to, believed the lie, listened to the argument of the devil, and kept on, kept on, kept on, till they now stand in it and preach it. And it says, a church for all people. Well, I'll tell you what, if we began to do that here, we would have to find the biggest building in Denton, Texas. Church would be packed. Whoever, we, we believe anybody can walk through these doors. Anybody's welcome in this place. But we're going to tell you what the Bible says, and we're going to tell you what sin is. Amen. And we're going to tell you to repent of your sins and change your life. But boy, you want to build the church fast, open up the doors to everybody and tell them everything they do is okay. And you'll have a big church. Come on. Somewhere along the line, just like, now this is sad, this is Saul. This is God's chosen man. Somewhere along the line, rebellion and disobedience came in. And it wasn't dealt with. And it kept building and building and building till now he is lost. Now read on with me. Verse 22. This is the key to everything I just talked about. Then Samuel said, this is the key. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, look at this, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Amen? How many get that? We kill ourselves and sacrifice and do and go and run. Hey, Saul just sacrificed. I mean, he went out. And if you've ever seen any movie about it or any show, anything, you know, or you can visualize, man, he, he, he got dirty and tired and, and man, he comes back down. He sacrificed and God doesn't care. We do that all the time, church, as people. We do that all the time. We go, we do, we run. And God's saying, all that doesn't matter if you're not walking in obedience. You're not, you're running, but you're not running where I told you to run. You're not doing what I asked you to do. 
And we think in our minds, because the devil's strong and he's a deceiver and he's cunning and he's crafty. And as I said this morning, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, he dresses as an angel of light. He'll stand right next to the truth and try to blend in. And look like the truth. He's not going to be way over there calling on you. And listen, those people that we saw this morning, those people that have fallen, that poor girl, Katy Perry, that has sold her soul to the devil and gone to talk about songs that you can't even imagine. I can't even imagine my daughter's doing that. I can't imagine it. She didn't just wake up one day and do that. Somewhere she began to lessen her standard and drop things and stop drawing the line. And disobedience began to come in and, and, and rebellion began to come in. Write that word down. Rebellion. Rebellion. We are in a rebellious generation. Rebellious. We don't like that word. When you hear that word, it's like something just cringes in you. We are in a rebellious generation. Especially, and, and it's really worse today, but back in the 60s, remember that, remember that, that where it all started? We're just doing the opposite of whatever the government says in that whole movement of, it's no different today. It's rebellious, it's rebellious, it's rebellious. It's I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to do what I feel like. That's the world we live in. And that has crept into the church. I don't care what the word says. I don't care what they tell me. I'm going to be what I am, do what I want to do. And God's just going to have to deal with it. Who are we to tell God that? Yet we get that attitude somehow. You got people all over the world saying, God will accept me just as I am when God says, no, my word says this, do this. There's a reason Jesus said the road was narrow and few find it. Not that it cannot be found, it's that few don't want to obey. Sorry, few, yeah, few want to obey and many want to what? Disobey. That's why the road to destruction is so wide because it's easy to disobey. Do what you want is easy. And so he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And to heed or listen to the voice than the fat of rams. Now look at 23. Here's the, here's the bulk of it. I want you to read this with me. And I want you to see how clear this is. And I, right, right, right before we read it, hold on a second. How many know the word witchcraft's horrible? You ever heard witchcraft, witchcraft, witchcraft? You hear witchcraft, just, guess what? Look what this verse says. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Amen. We would think as a Christian, witchcraft, that's, that's witches and brooms and warlocks and sorcerers. No, it's us when we rebel. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And look at, and stubbornness is as an iniquity and idolatry. See, rebellion is a twin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is a twin of idolatry. They're brothers and sisters. They hang out together. But for some reason, the witchcraft and the idolatry sounds horrible to us. But it's linked to disobedience, stubbornness, and rebellion. And we don't seem to think that's so bad. I'm just having a bad day. I'm just not in a good mood. I'm just... If you don't deal with those bad days and deal with those bad moods, they turn into other things. 
That's what I'm trying to expose in this series. I'm trying to show you the little areas. I'm trying to show you how these big men and women fell. Because they didn't deal with these things. If, if, if somebody walked into the church tonight and had a big old wooden idol or something and they put it down. Like we're just having worship service and they come up to the altar and they just sit it down and they just start worshiping. We'd flip out. We'd, we'd say, hey, you got to leave. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't we? We wouldn't let nobody worship a wooden idol in front of our church. All of us would be looking around to see, what are we going to do? we got to get this person out of here. Yet we put up with stubbornness. We put up with stubbornness. We put up with rebellion. And the word says here, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is idolatry. Come on. Don't shout me down. This is one of those areas we've got to really work on. Now look at, finish it up. He says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Look at this. He has also rejected you from being king. And then, watch this. This is important. Now, now, now look at 24. What does Saul do? How many know all the criminals tonight at the jail, when they stand before the judge, they're all of a sudden very sorry? How many know when you get pulled over for a ticket, you're all of a sudden sorry for speeding? Come on. I'm just, anybody ever gotten a ticket? I have. You're like, oh, darn it. Come on. When we get caught doing something, then we're sorry. God's looking for us to be sorry before we get caught. When we do it. And stop ourselves. Amen. Now, he, how many know I told you back in 18 and 19 was where Samuel was giving him the opportunity to come clean. But he didn't. He said, I have done what the Lord told me to do. Yeah. Then the rebuke comes. I'm telling you, this is what church people don't like. The rebuke. They don't like it. That we don't like to have somebody tell us that we're wrong. We don't like to have somebody tell us that we're living in sin. We don't like, it's not popular. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody help me. I'm just, it's the truth. It's not popular. It's not popular. I could change this message right now to prosperity and hallelujah and God's going to bless you and God's got a house. Man, we'd be shouting and running around the church. But because I'm talking about stuff we got to deal with, we're all quiet. But this is the stuff that makes us grow. This is the stuff that keeps us ready for the return of the Lord. This is the stuff that brings maturity to our life. This is the stuff that draws us closer to God, further away from the devil and the world. Amen. It's called good preaching. Not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. And I'm throwing stuff in every service. I'm bringing the good stuff in. I'm keeping it balanced. I'm ending it good. I'm throwing the sugar in. Amen. But I'm throwing, you got to get the vegetables too. You can't live. I, if I had my way, I'd eat cake every meal. I'd live off of it. Now he says, I have sinned, Samuel, verse 24, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Now watch this. I'm going to end up with this tonight. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. See, one of the things the devil will try to get us to do is worry more about what people think than what God thinks. What people think, what people say, what people are going to do. What, that's, that's the reason a lot of times preachers don't preach messages that are hard. 
Because they're going to walk. They might leave. They might get mad. They might not like it. They might not tithe. How are we going to keep the building open? How are we going to do this? I, God's going to take care of us. He's going to keep his church open. Amen. We're not trying to hurt people. We're not, I'm not up here with a stick trying to make people mad. We're doing stuff that's going to help us grow. And I'm not worried about what people say. I'm worried about what God says. I want to be right with the Lord. I want to stand before God someday and him say, good and faithful servant, come on in. You are not worried about what people said or thought about you. You preached my word. And that's what we need to do at our workplace, at school, at home. We need to do what God says. We need to rise up in these last days and obey the voice of the Lord. He comes clean finally. He says, I'm, I have sinned. And, I, and he says, here's the truth. I was more worried because it's a chain reaction. While they were out fighting, there was a battle going on in Saul's life. And he was thinking to himself, the spirit of God was dealing with him and telling him, you're leaving, kill him, kill him. Remember what God said. And but people were saying, people were saying, Saul, we can't kill those animals. Let's take them back. We can make money off those. And Saul, let's not kill the king. Let's take him back to Samuel. He'll be happy that we didn't kill the king. He'll, he'll be able to kill him himself. And all these words and voices are coming in from all over the place. And Saul's battling with this. And he says here, he admits, I stopped and I listened to the people and obeyed their voice instead of God's. Isn't that the world we live in today? We're people pleasers. You're not going to find anywhere in this word where God says to be people pleasers. We're supposed to love each other. But we're not trying to please each other. We're not trying to do things so that other people will accept us. Gosh, that's one of the reasons this world's so messed up. And kids and teenagers and adults are so messed up. is because our whole lives we've tried to be accepted by people instead of being accepted by God. And doing what God says. I haven't even gotten into my notes. But I'm going to end. This is an attitude, church, that we have to deal with today. In the church. Stubbornness. Rebellion. Those spirits that rise up in everybody that says, nobody going to tell me what to do. There's something in us. And church, it goes back to our childhood. It goes back to how we were raised. It goes back to that, that, that however you were raised. Amen. I, I, I thank the Lord for the way I was raised. And I, I, I don't dislike authority. I embrace it. Thank God. Some people weren't raised that way. But however you were raised, you got to get it aligned with the word of God. And we've got a rebellious generation today that doesn't want to listen. We've got kids that want to do their own thing. We've got grown-up people that are still kids and want to do their own thing. And we've got to come back and say, God, I'm going to look at these people in this Bible, and I am going to realize that's why you made the Bible, for me to learn from them. And I'm going to defeat this spirit of witchcraft and sorcery and divination and stubbornness and rebellion, and I'm not going to let it rise up in me. Amen? Let's pray tonight.